0: So in the show notes, you'll always be able to find the link to watch the video on our YouTube channel and make sure that you hit subscribe so you don't miss a future episode. Thank you so much for supporting the show and enjoy this week's episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Recruitment Mentors Podcast. I'm your host, Hesham Azuz, and on this week's episode, I was joined by Daniel Lawson, who for the last 16 years has been building a career in recruitment. For the last seven, he's been building and climbing the ranks at Signify. He was their very first employee in 2016, where he joined Ryan Adams with a big vision to disrupt the tech industry. For those of you that have listened to the podcast for a while, you would have heard and listened to the inspiring story of Ryan who started Signify and if you haven't, I'd highly recommend checking that out. In this episode, we spoke about Dan's approach to leadership. It doesn't need to be cutthroat and Dan's really lent into being authentic and remaining himself whilst building a successful career recruitment. As well as this, we talk about principles to landing and expanding winning business, building high-performing teams, and so much more. Enjoy the episode. Dan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you uh, making the trip. Obviously,
1: uh, you grew up in London, right? Yeah, uh, South London, Clapham, and only moved to Manchester in October 2020. So what are we saying? We uh, prefer the North, like it down South?
0: Uh, How do you feel when
1: you come back? I mean, London's got my heart always. (laughs) But yeah, I'm loving being in the North right now. Manchester is a really cool and special city. So I'm enjoying my time there. Yeah, I love that. So look, obviously we've sort of got to know each other just in different ways, really.
0: Spoken about the podcast. You came to one of the live podcast events, which I saw you at last time. So yeah, really looking forward to dissecting and uncovering this journey that you've been on. So like you were just saying, coming up to 16 years in recruitment, that's nearly two decades, my friend. That is a long time. Yeah, it's crazy. That is a commitment to the craft. Yeah. But obviously, over the last seven years, you've been on this amazing journey with Signify. So I think what we're going to focus on today is really go into that journey, what you've learned and everything else. But just to give people listening just a couple of highlights... Obviously, we've had Ryan on the podcast. Yep. We've also had Susan on the podcast as well a while ago. But you was one of the, the first employees in 2016 mm-hmm. to join uh, Ryan right at the beginning. But then in uh, 2020, you moved to Manchester, as you just said, and you've been uh, involved in and um, building that team for the business over the last uh, couple of years. And now you're, are you associate director? Yeah, that's right. Now? And obviously you've you've grown into that role over the, the last uh, seven years. So I think today we're going to talk about leadership, talking about culture, building high performing teams. I know something you're known for is landing and expanding. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Good to you? Yeah, all good. Let's get stuck in. So let, let's let start with the, the million pound question. Like from your perspective, I'd love to sort of hear how you think about this, but what what do you believe are the sort of common characteristics and traits of a successful recruiting in today's market?
1: Yeah, so um, I've listened to a lot of your podcasts and I think all the answers that people give are absolutely spot on. So being resilient, being motivated, being coachable, being driven, they're all absolutely correct. But for me, all those things link back to personal accountability. Mm. And for me, I think that's what I would say is the real sort of thing that underpins like what makes a recruit is successful because you know if you haven't got that within you to you know be driven and be motivated and to find solutions to problems then you know if you're constantly blaming everything can everyone else and it's the market's fault or you know my manager's this or you know you guys haven't done that but if you're not constantly looking at yourself and being like regardless of all that stuff that's going on I need to focus on what's in my control and it might not be my fault that that's happened or that's the situation but it's absolutely my responsibility to still find a way to you know control what's in my what, control the controllables and you know find a way to to get the solution that I need I really
0: like that I'm big on that as well like that's I'm really curious here then like because if that's really important to you that's clearly something that you surely like that's something that you have top of mind when you're looking for people in your team or that's Definitely going to be, I'm assuming, something that you're looking for people to have within your team. How have you found that? Because I don't think everyone has that. Do you (laughs) think like, do you know what I mean? So like, do you feel like can, if someone doesn't have it, can they sort of learn to be more personally responsible? Because I think particularly in in recruitment, it is very easy to point the finger. Mm. But then I think in, in today's world, it's also really easy to point the finger and be like, well, I should be here or it's that person's fault. Or, you know, like there's so many things that we can blame Things on, so have you, yeah, have have you found that you've been able to cultivate that in people? Is it something that you think these people have innately, or they don't?
1: Yeah, that's a good good question. I think the way that I view that is, I think you definitely can become more personally accountable. Mm. You can definitely see people who have those traits within them already, and I think you know, by and large, it is. I think quite innate within people, but. I'm a big believer in people can grow, develop, adapt as well. So I think if it's not something that comes naturally to you, you absolutely can learn to be more personally accountable. And I think my role as a leader, I've always tried to, you know, without being, uh, you know, preachy and, you know, I'm always conscious of not coming across as like preaching to people, but just painting the picture for people as to, you know, this is the world that we live in, you (laughs) know, Um, absolutely. All this stuff goes on. It's, you know, a, a tough market. There's things that might've been, to you that aren't your fault but it's still your responsibility to you know find a way through that you know it's no one else's responsibility no one owes you anything so i think yeah that's something that i definitely look for when i'm interviewing people for my team and for the business and if it's not something that comes naturally to them then i absolutely try and give them that guidance and you know show them the reasons why it's better to have that mindset and you know what's the benefit going to be to them of having that mindset or cultivating that mindset And I think that's benefit in work and outside of work as well. Absolutely. That's the thing.
0: So just quickly on that then, because I think it will be useful for people. How do you try and uncover that in an interview? You know, are you going for like, I don't know, you get them to sort of think about a scenario and you try and look out for if they go, yeah, I didn't do this because of my manager or how do you try Mm. and sort of, you know, find that in people?
1: Yeah, I think some of the questions that I ask in my interviews is, you know, I ask people to tell me, you know, what some of the, toughest or hardest situations that you've been through, you know, whether that's in work or outside of work. Mm. And what I'm looking to see there is, you know, how they describe that situation. Mm. You know, what was the, you know, how did it make them feel? What was their solution to it? Did they just accept it? You know, did they think, no, you know, fuck this, I'm going to find a solution to this. I'm going to, you know, this has happened. It's really shit, but I'm going to find a way through this. That's the sort of things that I I look for. But that's a question I really like asking people. And it, it is quite deep. You know, I don't think... A lot of people in recruitment or any interview for a a career or work job might ask that. But that's something that's definitely important to me. And I I really like to uncover that in people. Mm. So I just wanted to, to start before we go into
0: leadership principles, business development, this journey that you've been on. But something that sort of stuck out to me when we were sort of preparing for this was obviously you've worked for a few different companies in the 16 years, right? But obviously mm. for, the, for the last seven, it's been Signify. And obviously you and Ryan are good friends. Yeah. But sort of what we, what you were sharing with me was like how you believe it's really important that you try and do everything that you can to find yourself in an organization where you really align with the leader that is leading that business. Yeah. So why don't you just talk to us a bit about why, why you think that's important and then also how uh, Ryan has enabled you to feel like, you know what, this is someone that I can really get behind is someone that I really buy into. And that's obviously clearly been a big reason as to why you've continued to grow your career there. Mm.
1: Yeah, I think it's really important because at any stage in your career, unless you are, you know, working for yourself, you know, in your own company, most people start in recruitment with, you know, a team of people around them, however big or small that team might be. And you are taking guidance from the people around you. And something that I'm really big on is just surrounding yourself with good human beings, like genuine human beings who are authentic, hardworking, actually just fucking nice people yeah. as well. <laughs> like it's um it's such a, a bit of a cliche, but for me personally, those are all characteristics that I I uh, resonate with. Mm. So for me, any business that I have always been a part of has been down to the people that I've met and interviewed with, and the thought actually I I can align with this person. It doesn't mean that you share all the same beliefs. It doesn't mean that you even come from the same background. For me, it just means that you see something in them where you're like, I can absolutely see myself working with this person, learning from this person, being inspired by this person, or maybe inspiring them. It needs to be like a, a mutual, I think, transaction where you're both or all of you are going to benefit from from being around each other and mm. you know, being in each other's company. And mm. do we think that just makes
0: work more fun,
1: more enjoyable. The journey more enjoyable. Hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, especially in recruitment, you are working long hours a lot of the time. You know, you're with these people for more than you might be with your, you know, family in, in a lot of cases. So that's something that I've always tried to keep in mind when I'm choosing any organisation or team to to work with. You know, who are the people that I'm going to be surrounding myself with. Um, and I think you know whenever I think about my time at Signify as well, and yeah, me and Ryan have got the long-standing relationship. You know, we've been friends for over 20 years now, best friends. And I always think, you know, would I be as passionate about Signify? Would I be as proud to work there if we didn't have that relationship? And I actually really would because I absolutely believe in Ryan as a leader, as a person, as someone who I've learned from, you know, I'm a better recruiter and person because Ryan is someone that I've you know, aligned myself with from a friendship point of view, but also from a business point of view. Mm, that's amazing. So what I wanted to just
0: start with, because this, this seemed when we're talking about preparing for this, this was something that I think felt quite important to you. So th- so the question that, that I have was, how do you uh, think aspiring recruitment professionals can stay true to themselves about mm. their careers? Like, wh- why don't we just start by just talking about why, why that's important in, in your journey like just yeah being true to yourself
1: yeah I I mean this is you know quite a, a deep topic to be honest but I think ultimately in you know recruitment your career uh, the world there are so many outside influences you know telling you you need to be this you need to do that you know and almost telling you what the world or society's definition of success should be mm. um, and I think you know as I've gotten older I've certainly become more independent in my thinking and the way that I view situations in the world. But something that I was told really early in my recruitment career was, you know, you need to be more of a... Sorry, <laughs> <we're> using that <laughs> <That's> word. <laughs> um, the reality of it. Yeah. You need to be, you know, you need to be nastier. Whereas, you know, innately, I'm not that you person. You need to be cutthroat. You need yeah. to be cutthroat. You need to be ruthless. And I think there's absolutely some truth in that. Mm. You know, I think you can always take aspects and characteristics from other people that you know, have been successful, and that you admire their traits, but you still ultimately need to be who you are and be true to yourself. And I think as I've gone through my career and I've, you know, achieved you know a relative level of um, success. You know, I've had promotions, I've managed teams, I've helped other recruiters. You know, from day one become really successful recruiters. You know, I've, I've learned from myself and my own experiences that you can absolutely be yourself while still striving to be a better version of yourself mm. but not compromising what is true to you and what your values are as a human being and i think there is a time to be direct and you know straight to the point and you know maybe a little bit blunt at times just say it how it is i think all those things are really important but for me i i try to lead and engage with people from an empathetic point of view mm. and that's something which has always worked really well for me there have been times where maybe people have taken advantage of it to be honest but for me I just take those experiences as learning situations where right maybe next time I won't do it that way but I'm still going to be true to myself and what I think is important to me. I think that's amazing that
0: you yeah I I think that's such a great way to approach your career life because yeah being able to look yourself in the mirror and go you know what I knew I did different I kid I knew that I sort of yeah, like you said, was true to yourself. Mm. Yeah, you're going to be able to sleep way better at night compared to the other people that do things just to, because they think they need to be something else or those things. I guess ju- just curious then, like, I'm assuming it was a journey to get to that point, because mm. that takes a, a lot of courage, I feel like, just to sort of own what you are, what you stand for despite maybe external factors going down, you need to be something else. How did it sort of affect you? Or how did you feel being in environments then where you probably felt like, you know what, actually, this actually doesn't really align with me. I am actually Mm. really trying to, I'm probably being quite out of character here or I'm doing things that I don't overly believe in, but I have to do them because it's my job. Like, how Mm. how how did that affect you? This podcast is proudly sponsored by Sourcebreaker. And today, I wanted to talk to you about sales opportunities and how Sourcebreaker can help. Because are you tired of the competition beating you to new sales opportunities? Do you want to make more placements from your existing resources? Who doesn't? Transform the way you work with Sourcebreaker. Revolutionizing recruitment with AI-powered technology, Sourcebreaker powers you with laser accurate search results across all your sourcing platforms to build candidate pools filled with highly qualified individuals, all from one place, not from multiple tabs and different places. You will get perfect fit opportunities automatically tracking relevant vacancies and events in your market niche in real time and pre-built automations that constantly scope your markets to deliver high quality results at speeds your competitors simply can't match. Head over to sourcebreaker.com for more information. Back to the episode.
1: One thing that I always try to do is not to take any situation as like the be all and end all. And Mm. what I mean by that is, you know, you can be in certain rooms or situations or, you know, with certain people and, I think nowadays it's very much, you know, you're either all of this or you're all of that. There's no nuance or there's no, you know, space to be... Well, actually, maybe I don't agree with everything that that person does or what this company does, but I'm still learning a lot from Mm. this company as well. Whereas I think these days it's very easy to be like, well, no, I don't like that one thing about the company. So I'm just going to switch off, disengage completely and almost self-sabotage. So I've always been like very... I guess, analytical of whatever situation or organisation or even people that I engage with and think, well, yeah, maybe there's some of their traits that don't align with me and who I am, but there's absolutely still stuff that I can learn from this person and add to my game to make Mm -hmm. me a better person, make me a better recruiter, make me a better leader. So I think it's that analytical mindset and not just taking things as right, it's all of this or it's all of that. I can take some of this and some of that and Mm -hmm. use that to better myself. Yeah, it's not black or white. Yeah. I
0: absolutely love that. I, I couldn't agree with, like, whole different conversation, but I think that is also probably a good description of, like, just just society right now as mm. well in terms of you're either, like, in this camp, you're either in that camp, yeah. or if you were in that camp, Dan, then I don't like you because yeah. you have those beliefs, you know what I mean? So just on this then, and then we'll move on because you've, you've clearly showcased this already in this conversation, which I love, but how have you gone about cultivating this mindset then? Because what I hear there is perspective, personal responsibility you're willing to go okay like what can i learn from even though it's a challenging situation mm. not everyone has that ability to have that perspective to have the responsibility so just talk to us a bit about how in your life you've got to that point of having those types of approaches to things in your mindset because i think again like if more people can have more of those approaches and perspectives to things it it can help them in their life, inside work and outside of work. Mm. But where, how have you gone about cultivating this mindset?
1: Yeah, so I'm, I'm really big on like personal development mm. as well, setting goals, and it's probably not something I really did with any real conviction or belief when I first started in recruitment, mm. as most people did. You know, I fell into recruitment, you know, wanted to earn a good wage, go on a few holidays, mm. and you know, things like that. But I think it was really coinciding with my time joining Signify, speaking with Ryan about the goals that he had of wanting to start his own company and thinking, actually, this is, this is pretty sick what he's talking about. This could literally change our lives. And something that Ryan's always been big on is setting personal goals and personal development. So that could be listening to podcasts, mm. reading books, even like working out. So I think probably starting around the time when we first launched the business back in 2016, that's when I really, I guess, started taking... I guess um your own development seriously. yeah taking my own development really seriously um and that's not to say that it's been perfect you know we're all human beings i'm a human being there are definitely times when i i fall off of that and you know you get into the routine of just you know going through the motions so to speak but what i try to do is not stay there too long mm. so i definitely believe in like reading books listening to podcasts and for me it's all about positive like reinforcements and positive consuming positive information, mm. because there's a lot of you know negative stuff out there. So I just try and make sure that I'm constantly feeding my brain with like positive information, positive affirmations. And I think that the time where I noticed the biggest, I guess, shift in my career, you know, my earnings was when I really started taking that stuff seriously. Mm. So yeah, I think that's something that I, I would say helps you to have that mindset. I love that. I think
0: it's amazing, isn't it, that just what you're talking about there is just you're really just trying to commit to be better than you was yesterday. Yeah. And like, yeah, what a great way to approach life. I think mean, that's such a great thing and something that I spend a lot of time thinking about and just, yeah, just really trying to just strive to be better, you know?
1: Yeah. Um, and it's hard, right? Because we are human beings and, you know, I definitely don't want to sit here and sound like I'm perfect at it and I do this mm-hmm. all the time. And, you know, 24-7, this is who I am because... I definitely don't. I still make a lot of mistakes, but I think innately I'm I'm someone who doesn't sit in a negative place for too long. I won't mm. beat myself up too long. I'll definitely hold myself accountable, but it's more from a, right, you know, I haven't been gym for a week. Or I haven't done a run for a while or I haven't listened to any positive podcasts for a while or listened to any like positive videos for a while. Make sure I do it now. Mm. Even if it's like 10 minutes, just like don't stay in that negative place for too long. Get back to that positive place as quickly as you can. So... Let's move this on a bit.
0: Let's, I guess, why don't we, like a big part of your journey has been leadership, right? Mm. So why don't we just focus on that for a second? Because I'd love to sort of hear about how you've approached this on on your journey so far. Obviously, so many people in the the recruitment industry end up in leadership positions because of their performance. Mm. So for me, my perspective is there's so many people in the industry that are in those leadership seats that have never been taught or helped how to coach, uh, how to uncover drivers, how to get the best out of their team. Mm. It's very much just the like, yeah, they're, it may be the top performer or they perform really well. So it's like, okay, Dan, right, you're, you've you got plenty of jobs in, get two, three more people underneath you, get them doing what you're doing and, and happy days. So why don't we just sort of talk firstly about like when you were early on with your leadership journey, you were managing more people, I think, you said to me that when you moved to manchester the peak there was like 10 people what, what's been like the most amount of people you've been responsible for
1: yeah so in london uh, we got our london perm team up to 13 people mm. which are all responsible i was all i was f- responsible for all of them and then in Obviously, that was a team within an office already, whereas mm-hmm. uh, Manchester has been my own office. Okay, yeah. So, okay. slightly different. Each has their own challenges and, you know, um, things that you enjoy about them. But
0: So, let's just talk about early on then, what, what did you struggle most with? Like, when you're really trying to get to grips with, okay, I'm now not just sort of contributing myself. I'm not just mm. thinking about how many fillable jobs can I pull this month? What are my billing targets? You're now thinking about... 13 other humans, how can I help them achieve their goals? How yeah. can I make sure they're hitting their targets? I'm wanting to make sure Ryan's happy because I've mm. got a net fee income goal that I need to hit.
1: Like what what did you initially really struggle with? Yeah, so I think the first thing was going from being seen as I guess one of the team, you know, your senior or principal consultant in that team and to a lot of people, you're their friend. Mm. You know that's something which is pretty natural, right? You spend a lot of time with these people. For the most part, you get on with them, so they see you as their friend. And although you might have helped them or mentored them, but not in an official capacity, I think when it becomes official, you're actually their leader and their boss. So I think sometimes that transition period of going from being seen as the same level mm. as them to now I'm your, you know, I'm your leader that can be quite hard to to manage from both parts. You know, from my perspective, I certainly found that hard. And I think maybe some people in the business found that hard as well. I think the thing that I did have on my side was that because I was there from the very beginning, people have naturally maybe associated me with being someone who was quite senior, quite responsible. And then I I found a way to, I guess you have to separate yourself a little bit and show them that you can add value to them as their leader as well, so that people do see you as credible and someone who can help them get to whatever their goals might be what are some of the ways that you can add value so i i'm a big believer in just showing people the good the bad and everything in between as well so if i'm doing a basic candidate qualification call i'll be like oh guys jump on this call like listen to how i qualify this person and then afterwards we'll debrief on that and they'll be like asking questions are and i might explain to them why i asked a certain question at a certain time if i'm picking up a new client Role, you know, I might get them to jump on that as well. Or if I'm about to jump on a call, which I know is going to be really difficult, it might be we've had a drop out, you know, from one of our clients, and the client want to have a chat about it. I'll be like, guys, this call is probably going to be a bit sticky. Um, come and listen to how I handle it. And all you're trying to do there is show them that, you know, any situation in recruitment, you can get through it. Mm. Um, and it's not always going to be pretty. It's not always going to be what the textbooks answers are, but here's how I would approach that situation and hopefully give them the confidence that there isn't any situation that they should be fearful of or, you know, should should not feel that they have the skill set or within our team, we have the skill set to, I guess, get over that situation.
0: So what I take from that then is by you doing that, you're also helping them to become better because yeah. it is interesting, right? Because it's like, that may sound really obvious, but actually... If you're a recruiter that has a team of six seven people you still got a number that you mm. have to hit looking at i don't know the last month or even the last week how many opportunities did you give your team yourself as a manager that enabled your team to potentially improve don't know mm. it might just be in the one-on-ones where you give mm. direct feedback or like the, just those examples there that's a great way to one you're leading by the front you're mm. doing the doing so you're not above them in, yeah. in that sense right you're doing the things that they're having to do and you're showing, look, I'm I'm willing to do these things. Yeah. That should mean that you should definitely be willing to do them, right? That's exactly it. And then also the way that you spoke about that was then like, you're also giving them a, a learning opportunity, mm. and oftentimes when I speak to people, most of the time they're just learning on the job. Yeah. So by you adding value, you're actually helping them become better recruiters. So it's like if you're listening to this, and you're a manager. It's like okay, well, how can I create those intentional moments to help my team get better rather than just be like, do this, do that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So how
0: did you? You said separation there. I've got mm. a few friends in recruitment, that sort of yeah, a bit similar to you, climb the ranks, and they're now sort of seeing that you almost end up putting in this category, like, oh, it's shit direct. It's like, particularly for people that maybe join, like, uh, the early on in their careers, you know, and mm. then, then I'm assuming you mentioned a separation piece there because then when you do have, find yourself having to give direct feedback, mm. this isn't good enough, this is why, this is where it needs to be, that's probably a bit easier rather than, oh, mate, we were just down, we was in the pub last night having a good chat, talking about footy, all that. How did you separate yourself? Did you start not going to as many socials? Like, I don't know, how did you approach separating, you know, the manager, friend line?
1: Yeah, I think with that, you you have to be authentic. Again, coming Mm -hmm. down to who you are as a person. So, The team, my team definitely know who I am as a person and they know that I can absolutely be, you know, friendly with them. And, you know, I care about them as human beings and individuals, you know, even put the work stuff aside from them. I genuinely care about them as people. So I can still know that they might have stuff going on outside of work and, you know, they are maybe struggling with that at the moment. But, you know, when we're in work, that's our time to be focused on the work. And I think it comes from having that really clear communication with them from day one about you know these are my expectations this is who i am as a person i'll absolutely back you support you you know be there for you but we've got a job to do you know yeah. we've got targets to hit and that makes it easier to frame any conversation that you might need to have with them you know even if it's a, a tough conversation that you need to have with them about look you're not quite hitting this at the moment let's talk about that why is that mm. is the only thing i can do as a leader to help you get there you know what's going on for me it comes down to being empathetic again and understanding that yeah we are in a sales job but you're dealing with human beings and Mm. trying to get I guess under the skin of what is really going on for that person what's driving them what's motivating them what's holding them back at the moment so for me that separation comes from clear communication I think you can absolutely still you know go on socials with them you just got to make sure that you're carrying yourself at all times in a professional way for me anyway you know I've never really been the sort of person to you know get out of hand on a, mm. on a night out or you know but that's just me personally and I think that's important for people to see from their leaders as well that you are being yourself you can you know enjoy yourself but mm. you've got to remember this is a, a work environment whether you're in work or outside of work you've got to remember that you're always people are always going to be looking at you as the leader so you have to carry yourself in a certain way yeah
0: let's just get a bit more granular for a sec on the leadership point so you can even maybe talk about when there was then when there was ten of you in Manchester or when there was the the thirteen people there in, in the UK perm team, but like speak to a lot of billing managers or billing leaders. Oftentimes, one of the the biggest challenges is the Dan having enough time to do what he needs to do. Mm. The leader having enough time for the team. So like what. How did you approach your weeks? Like what were the sort of non-negotiable management activities that always went on? How did you set your team up? Let's just talk about that for a sec. Because I think people are always interested in that. Did you always make sure Monday morning there was a weekly kickoff meeting? Did you then check in with everyone on Wednesday? When did you have your one-on-ones? Mm. When did you then have your own court hours? I don't know. Talk to us a bit about how you actually approached yeah. the time management
1: and getting the most out of your time. Yeah. So each day, for me personally, I always work from a to-do list. So um, I know a lot of people maybe work from a day plan or, you know, set times for everything. Once you become a leader of people, you absolutely have to find a way to manage your time, even more so than you probably did when you was an individual contributor. So mm. there are certain things that I would do every single week. So the Monday kickoff is really important for me. That doesn't need to be too long where it can be helped. Um, I think it needs to be like short and sharp, maybe 15, 20 minutes max, depending on how many of you are there. What key messages do you want to land for that week? What are we focusing on as a team? How are we tracking at the moment for the month? Are we looking like we're going to come in on target, above target? Are we looking like we're going to come in behind target? Mm. How do we address that? What do we need to do to correct that? I would then also have maybe like five or 10 minute, like one-to-ones with people. So you can get into the detail on what their desk needs and what it is that they need maybe to focus on for that week. And then we would also have a end of week catch up as well. So. Every Friday, as most companies do, you have the end of week wrap. And I think in between that time, you can be quite, I guess, fluid as to maybe when you're checking with people. I don't like to micromanage. I don't like to constantly be over people, show them, you know, what you're doing, how you're getting on with that. I like to be available and approachable. And my thing might be just checking in with them. If I maybe hear them on a call and there's something that I think, actually, yeah, have you thought about maybe saying this next time or mm. So it might be more on-the-desk coaching and quite reactive in that sense. But yeah, I think the time management piece is is so important when you're a billing leader. Um, And then you need to just find time to do your own stuff as well. And that's, for me personally, I, and again, maybe this isn't what a lot of people want to hear, but it is the truth. You know, you probably do have to work longer hours sometimes Mm -hmm. to get what you need to get done. But for me, that comes down to that personal accountability thing again. I'm not working more hours because you know, Ryan's told me to or, you know, my other boss has told me to. I'm doing that because I'm doing what I need to get done regardless of my situation. I need to find a way to get certain things done so that my team can hit our target for that month. So, yeah, it's just one of those things, but you know that it's going to be worth it in the mm. long term. Uh,
0: just on that, were there any, like, Talking about the things that you had to do to make sure you're hitting your number, performing, leading by the front, mm. what ended up being like your non non-negotiable activities that you were like, you know what, I didn't fucking do the two hours of BD that because mm. I missed it. Now that's catching up on me. I don't know what ended up being like your personal non-negotiable activities each week that you felt like if I do these inputs, I should then always
1: end up at least around where I want to be. Yeah. So with our role in Signify as a big billing leader. You are tasked with like winning roles and you know for other people to work on as well so for me i always knew that as long as i was bringing in enough roles for mm. the team to work on then we should usually get there or thereabouts in terms of our target obviously they need to bring in be bringing in their own as well but as long as i could find a way to find roles for us and the team to work on every single week then We would usually get there so that's what my main focus was on like bringing in more roles for us to work on this development Mm.
0: right so that leads quite nicely so we've spoken about leadership the way that you've approached that and i think that really comes across particularly when you're talking about just how you've approached your career like again you're just being true to yourself and you've approached leadership from a yeah like a what can i do for you how can i help you rather than like do this because i've said do you know what I mean? Yeah, you're not it You're not telling people you are trying to coach people. You're trying to help get the most out of them. So, when we prepared for this, and I asked you, like, what do you think people at Signify would sort of say you're most known for? One of the things you said was around landing and expanding. And one of the things you shared with me that senior is quite proud of was you've been sort of actively involved in bring on some of the top performing UK customers for Signify. So. Let's just talk about this because if that's ended up being fundamental and non-negotiable for you to keep leading by the front, Mm. doing everything that you can for your team besides being a leader was new client opportunities and these things. Why don't we just start with like, what are Dan's principles to like business development? Let's just Mm. start there because so many people listen to this. That is what they're going to be struggling with right now. The market's more difficult. There's a lot of people that are transitioning into 360 recruitment. Just, it's, be, it's become a lot more tough. I spoke to so many people that have had a difficult Q1. So like firstly, what, what are your principles to business development? This podcast is proudly sponsored by VinCherry. Today, I want to talk to you about the power of the recruitment operating system. Disjointed tech systems are painful for growing recruitment companies. Too much admin, bad data, and no visibility. It's holding back recruitment organizations. Meet VinCherry. VinCherry is the creator of the Recruitment Operating System, a modern operating system for recruitment and staffing agencies worldwide. This natively integrated tech platform syncs data and workflows across recruitment agencies front, middle, and back offices. Start off with a suite of modules, a core CRM, ATS, advanced reporting and analytics, video interviewing, and more. That's just their core product. VinCherry also works with a pre-integrated access product to expand your tech capabilities, link up your recruitment websites powered by Volcanic, or cover screening and pay and bill with the fast track integration. It's time to unite front middle, and back offices on a single recruitment technology platform. Unleash growth without gravity. Let's go. Find out more on vincere.io, and because you listen to this podcast, you get a discount. Check
1: it out. Enjoy the rest of the episode. For me, what's worked really well is that Signify, we have a really niche laser focus on a back-end programming language called Scala, Mm -hmm. and the reason why we chose to focus on Scala was because it's hard to find there's a lot of customers that look for that skill set and these people aren't readily available they're not really camped out on job boards you know mm. you really have to go deep into you know searches uh, events uh, meetups to find these people so the amount of customers that we've got into because we focus on Scala mm. is incredible we've worked with some amazing brands because of the fact that we are Scala specialists. And I use that, to be honest, and I think that's you know something that maybe businesses should focus on, you know, what's gonna be your in to get into these companies? What's the thing that makes you different? You know, there are however many recruitment companies out mm. there. So I, Ryan, when you set up Signify, was like, I'm gonna make sure I give my team everything they need to go out there and be successful. And that was the hunt and impact mentality for these Scala developers. So just on that just quickly, like
0: what does that actually sound like? Like when you're speaking to clients, because a mm. lot, yeah, if you're listening to this right now and you're not in the niche, you're not entirely focused, yeah. like you're always going to struggle. So like what, I, I'd probably say a lot of people do have that in the armory, but it's like how they use it. Do you know mm. what I mean? So like, What does that actually sound like, Dan? Are you basically calling people to say like, hey, the reason why uh, you should give me an opportunity or why you should listen to me is that we only do Skylar. That's Mm. what we do. We're in the communities. We're in the trenches. We're only speaking to these people, which means, yeah, a lot of the time you might find yourself speak to other agencies that they do Skylar, but they also do JavaScript. They also do these things. Like, Mm. what does that actually sound like when you're, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's
1: not far off that, to be honest with you. And what we do is, I say, Probably 75% of our day when we were, you know, when I was a consultant. And what the consultants do now and signify is that they're speaking to candidates all day long, you know, finding out information about the market, you know, who's hiring, who's not hiring, what projects are they working on, what technologies are they using alongside Scala. And we're gathering all that information so that when we go and approach those companies who we know are hiring, we're coming there armed with facts and information that makes us sound credible. Add to that the fact that we're Scala specialists. You know, why wouldn't they give us a chance? We mm. know that you're struggling to hire for Scala. We know that you use this technology, that technology alongside Scala. We know that you've got this project coming up and we've actually got someone who's just finished on a project for another company, which is identical to what you guys are doing. So would you like to see the CV? He's available for an interview, you know, later on this week, today, tomorrow, whatever that might be. So you've got to go in there with confidence and knowing that you are absolutely adding value to these people, mm-hmm. Um I think the mistake that we can sometimes make is, you know, going into these calls and just assuming that, asking the question of, right, have you got vacancies? Yes, no, that's enough. You have to be adding value. For mm-hmm. me, it's that value add which helps us to stand out. And I genuinely believe it now as well. I, I think if there's any company who are hiring for scholar engineers, why wouldn't you talk to us? So that, that. That's just my thinking. Mm-hmm. It, it, it probably comes across in a way that you know I do BD now, the team do be the and why we've got into some of these amazing customers that we work with. Mm. Okay, so we've got, so the first thing is making sure that, yeah, like what
0: you're, I feel like what you're talking about there is one of your principles is making sure that you're known for something, you're an Mm. expert in something, you can also showcase credibility to the people that you're prospecting speaking to because like you said, you speak to all these people, you can offer information, insights, which is really valuable. Mm. What are some of the other principles then do you think that you've really bought into or applied to your career that's enabled you and maybe your team to get the most out of their business development?
1: Yeah, so the other thing that we do really well is the, uh, I guess, non-recruitment um, activities. So we're really big on sponsoring conferences, mm-hmm. uh, attending conferences, hosting our own monthly meetup as well called Skylar in the City. We've also done workshops where we actually train people to learn Scala, whether that's at a really junior entry level, right through to, you know, super advanced, you know, next level type ability. So those are all things which again, you know, credit to Ryan, you know, these are all the ideas that he had which made me believe in him mm. and use that in my armor when I was speaking to customers about why they should be using us. So those um those community events are absolutely one of the main reasons why we've been so successful in winning customers and and delivering for those customers as well
0: and again what like what does that look like <laughs> do you know what i mean like because i understand that completely and i think there are more and more recruitment businesses that do try and build communities do offer events so like what again particularly if we just have the business development focus like what does that actually look like dan in terms of like leveraging that and how does that show up on you getting two amazing new clients each month because you're doing those things like are you does it enable you to Open up the doors. Open mm. up more doors because you can call people and go, "Hey, don't want to speak about your vacancies. Want to speak about Scala in the city and why it could be something that could be interesting for your team." Like, how does it actually tangibly uh, turn into commercials? Because that that's going to be a big part of it, along with the giving back that all you guys do, which I see all yeah. the, the money that you raise for charity. You're doing a good thing by trying to get more people learning about Scala and able to do it. Mm. So you're trying to reduce skill gaps. You're building a community. Like, obviously, there's all these other great things. Yeah. But 100% it's directing, it's also impacting the
1: the commercials, right? So what of does course. that actually look like? How, how do you actually utilise those assets? Yeah, you've got to think long term with this stuff. Mm. Because a lot of the community stuff um, isn't immediate quick wins. Mm. Although you might get them, you, you have to go into it with that long term mindset. And that what I'm doing here is I'm getting myself in front of these people with a different conversation that they may be having with, all the other hundreds of recruiters that are calling them or sending them, sending them messages or emails. I'm differentiating myself to get myself in front of them and open up that conversation. So with those, once those doors are opened, you've then got to think, I'm not thinking about this as right, I'm gonna get a deal with them right now or mm-hmm. play some with them right now. You have to be thinking, I'm, I'm gonna be genuinely sharing information with them and not expecting anything in return right now. Mm-hmm. But what I have done is I've shown them I'm credible. I've Mm. shown them who I am as a person as well. That's the other thing that people don't, I think, sometimes take into consideration is that it's a people game. You've got to put yourself out there, put yourself in front of people. And if I can show these clients that I'm credible, I know what I'm talking about, and I'm actually a pretty decent person, decent human being, and I can deliver for them, why wouldn't they use me? Mm.
0: You
1: know, whether they've got a vacancy right now, or maybe they've got red tape or PSLs that, Don't allow them to work with me right now. Further on down the line, if that opportunity opens up, they will be thinking of me because of all the work that I've put into developing that relationship, showing that I understand their business, showing them why they need to be working with us. Mm. Um, You've got to think long-term with this stuff. Yeah, so yeah, it sounds like it enables you to open up doors to then showcase
0: what you're about, how you're Mm. different, all that. So I think that leads quite nicely onto the land and expand like focus point because I think... I'd love to just get your take on yeah how you believe you've been able to do that and we can get as tactical as you want because I think a lot of recruiters are, when we think of BD, it's very tactical and reactive and mm. what I mean by that is I've got a candidate, I call five different companies that I think that candidate could work for and it's specking and it's like have you got opportunities now, are you hiring right now and it's very short term and it's very like okay well you're not hiring at the moment, okay no worries I'm going to focus on the next company on the next company. But then what you were just talking about, I'd probably say more falls into the camp of like strategic BD, right? Yeah. Whereas it's a bit more longer term. And it's like, okay, well, this could actually really help have a big impact in three months, six months. So how, and I think a lot of recruiters will get a job, uh, they fill it, might be ones and twos, and then that's it for that entire year. Mm. So what what have you done differently to make sure that it's not just ones and twos and these accounts become big accounts? Like, yeah. Have you got introductions to other hiring managers? Did you get in initially with one team and then showed what you're about and then go, okay, well, can you now introduce us to these? Like, how have you approached landing and expanding? What, yeah, How can we do that better?
1: Yeah, for me, it all starts with delivery. Okay. So whenever you do get that chance to work a job for them, you have to deliver really fucking well. You have to give them a level of service that you'd be proud of. And once you deliver really well for them, for me, that's when it opens up the door to go and meet with them. Again, meetings is something which I think are, probably underrated in recruitment, to be honest. Um, I always try and get out and meet with my clients face to face. And uh, a lot of the time, to be honest, it might be a social one. They might be taking them out for drinks or Mm. especially when we place with them, you know, they've actually generated revenue for the company. I'm looking to meet with them and thank them for giving me the opportunity, getting to know them more on a personal level. And that's what naturally leads to them recommending us to people internally as well, because Mm -hmm. we're asking that question. They know that we've done a good job for them. We delivered really well and they've met me in person now. So it's a lot more easier for them to recommend me to someone internally. And what I found personally has happened with the accounts that I have landed and expanded in is we've delivered really well on their toughest roles, their toughest roles, which are Scala. And they've then spoken to another person internally, another key stakeholder and said, look, you're struggling with your role. I've used Signify for my Scala roles, which are really hard. And they've come to us and said, look, we know you're Scala specialist, but could you also help us with these business analyst roles or Mm -hmm. project manager roles? So although we focus on Scala, that's what we outwardly go and win in terms of business development. We definitely do other stuff as well, Mm -hmm. but it's usually with accounts that we've delivered for on the Scala side. Mm -hmm. So we've just given them a really high level of service on the Scala side, met with them in person. And that's naturally led to them recommending us to other key stakeholders in the business who are also then happy to use us based on the recommendation of someone internally, which is so powerful. So where where do people go wrong with it then, Dan? Like, if I've delivered, mm. am I not asking the question? Am I not
0: committing to continuing to build the relationship? Am I not following up with them? Like, I might have done the placement, and then it's like I don't end up speaking to for another four or six mm. weeks. Like where? Because I'm sure you have the, your team. Yeah. This like where where do people go wrong with just ended up doing one twos and three placements with customers where it could actually be fives and tens.
1: Yeah, I think sometimes it can be down to how fast moving recruitment is and there's mm. always something new coming up, you know, you're always tasked with winning new customers, but I'm a big believer in like looking after what you've got <laughs> as well, you know, if um, you know, if you really look after what you've got and you look after it well, then you know, you're going to be getting more from that account and you can replicate that with other accounts. But I think very often we're very quick to jump to the next thing. I think asking the question is right as well. Actually mapping out that customer, looking online at what other vacancies they have and saying, look, by the way, I noticed that you guys have got uh, you know another job advertised for front end developer. Um, we can actually help with that as well. We've mm-hmm. done a similar with um, another customer that we work with. Um, who is it that's looking after that position? Can you make the introduction for me? you know, constantly looking at the customers that you do have and think, what else can we get out of them? Mm. So uh,
0: as we come to the end here then, what are we saying for Manchester? How How's it looking? What, what's what's exciting for, for this year for you guys?
1: Yeah, so we are, Manchester's obviously the newest office uh, in Signify. So we've got London where we first started, then it was LA, which is where Ryan is now, Austin. Uh, so Manchester's the the newest office in, um, in the Signify team. And... Really excitingly, we've hired like quite a few senior people recently who have come with a you know, really good track record. We brought in a, another director actually as well who's going to be focused more on the actual day-to-day management which allows me to go out and do what my strengths are which is focusing on the winning more customers, mm. selling some of our non-recruitment type services and propositions. And I'm really excited about that because that's where my strengths lie is what I'm good at And we are growing as well. We're still hiring. We're expanding. The future's bright. The future's really bright for Manchester. I'm really looking forward to seeing what we can do this year. And we've got a really strong team in place now as well. Yeah, I love that. Look, Dan,
0: absolutely, like, from the very beginning, like, honestly, just absolutely love your mindset. I think, honestly, like, particularly, obviously, in recruitment, but just in in life in general, I think one of the best things that you can do is just cultivate a mindset that can help you in, in life. And, yeah, just loved hearing you talking about personal responsibility, your approach to leadership, just being a good human. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like we said, you don't you don't have to be a dick to, to have success in, in recruitment. So yeah, look, respect, I think, what an amazing journey that you've been on in uh, going on this journey with one of your really great friends and be part of uh, a business journey that, yeah, has obviously been an exciting one, right? Where you're one of the very early employees and you just go on this trajectory. A lot of people would have been sort of, in an interview room and going, Dan, we're going to, we've got big plans, we're going to grow all that. Sometimes it doesn't happen that yeah. you, you've been part of this journey. So I'm sure you'll look back and go, wow, what a journey that was. And you'll continue to go on it, still feel just ex- as excited as, as um, you are probably
1: at the beginning. So thanks for coming on, my man. Thank you very much. I really appreciate you having me on. And I guess same to you as well, Hisham. I'm a big fan of what you do. And I know when we had the prep call <laughs> earlier this week, I was asking, you know, so what is the... the- <laughs> conglomerate that you've got going on it was was so you know fascinating to hear about that and I think what you're doing is is definitely needed in the recruitment industry it's something which when I first started would have been unheard of Mm. to be honest this genuine sharing of information and people wanting each other to get better um, who might be deemed as competitors but there's enough out there for everyone to win Mm. there really is and I think you know stuff like this helps to raise the bar Mm. um, in recruitment so I appreciate you yeah amen love that bro thank you thank you
0: Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I hope there were plenty of golden nuggets for you to take away. As you'll know, I'm your host here of the Recruitment Mentors podcast, but I'm also the founder of Recruitment Mentors. We're an online subscription-based learning and education platform. We're on a mission to help thousands of recruiters achieve their professional goals and successfully progress their careers through modern and engaging online learning. If you're a recruitment business owner listening to this, there's a good chance that you value self-development, personal development. You're trying to develop a culture of continuous improvement. But we've partnered with a number of grown recruitment companies who were struggling to understand how they can invest more in their people, how they can upskill them more quickly without spending more time, without having to spend thousands of pounds of external trainers. And we've ended up being a really great fit, modern fit for recruitment teams.